Oh, I hope do not press means press right away. You're listening to the show, So There I Was, episode number 24. Who do we have this week, Fig? We have the lawman. The lawman. The lawman. He had the right to remain silent. (laughs) Fortunately, he did not. What a natural storyteller. We spent five and a half hours talking to Lawman over two recording sessions. So, folks, there's going to be a lot of shows with Lawman. We may intersperse a couple other shows. The time went so fast with him. It did. And he is a fascinating guy to talk to. Spoiler alert right here. One of the highlights of his career was flying with the Blue Angels, number two Blue Angels. The stories on the Blue Angels alone, I I was howling at some of the things that happened. His experiences were incredible. Apparently, Lawman sucked. Well, he'll tell you. He'll tell you they gave him a hard time. Uh, You know, he's the only Marine on the on the team, not counting the Fat Edward guys. So he he took a lot of resin, and they they. uh, It's good. I'm not going to spoil it. It's not going to spoil it. I, I will say this: it was creative. And hilarious what they did to that man. <laughs> I'm excited. But this show is the Lieutenant Savoy incident, show 24. Lawman played a practical joke, and it almost cost him his career. Another another awesome story, Lieutenant Savoy incident. And we go into how he got, got to be Lawman. It was very close that he was Barney or Festus. Could have been a lot worse. But that's, that's it for the show. That's the preview for the show. Preamble? Yeah. But there's a couple other announcements we've got here. First of all, we have gotten in touch with and been cleared hot to use the music of Dos Gringos. Dos Gringos. Not safe for work, folks. <laughs> don't don't blare them loudly <laughs> on your desk <laughs> at work. There's an F-bomb or two in their songs, but really, really fun music. Well, a little background. A little background on Dos Gringos. They're actually uh, Air Force pilots, right? Yep, they, uh, they were Viper drivers. Air Force fighter pilots. Yep. And their music is tactically oriented. Let's just put it that way. It is good. It's good music. Yeah. And let's see, what else? You got something in the mail since last we spoke. Yes, I did from uh, our sponsor. Yeah, robinsbirdbraindesign.com. And uh, so I, I, I'm not going to disclose too much in case one of, one of the recipients of my Christmas present or Christmas present to be is listening. But it is outstanding. Nice. Uh, squadron emblem, got call signs and names on a piece of slate, and very well done. I couldn't have asked for better. And they're fantastic. I can't wait to give them out. All right, we've been chatting way too long here. Usually we try to keep this to a couple minutes, and we are past that. So sit back, buckle up, make sure you're not sitting on the ejection handle, and listen to the Lieutenant Savoy Incident, episode 24. Strap that fiber to catapult and watch that sucker fly. 200 knots in under two seconds, that's my kind of fun. So there I was. Which is how all great aviation stories start. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Fig. I'm in Kearney, Missouri. And my cohort repeat is where? I'm I'm home tonight, Lee, New Hampshire. So yeah. 
Welcome, everybody, to the show. We're thrilled to have a special guest tonight. I may say to you, sir, you have the right to remain silent, but I hope you choose not to. None other than Lawman. Lawman, welcome to our show. We are thrilled to have you. Hey, thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, Fig. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear these stories. Yeah, we got to start with the question that we ask everybody, but I know you've got a million stories. This, this, this could go long. <laughs> in which case we'll break it up and uh, we'll certainly respect your time. So if you need to go, if you need to take a break or anything, say so, we'll make that happen and we'll go from there. Sure. But the, So the first question we ask everybody is, how is it that you uh, came to fly airplanes? How did you become interested in aviation? Well, certainly, uh, my, you know, my dad, I was born and raised in the Army, so my dad was an Army Green Beret. Hey, second Army, I was born in Fort Bragg, not too far from here in uh, New Bern, uh, North Carolina. So raised an army brat, grew up around the world, went to 16 different schools, first grade through high school. Um, he was a Green Beret, three tours in Nam, highly decorated. So nothing to do with aviation, so everybody be jumping out of airplanes. Um, but we, he retired out of Fort Huachuca, Arizona. My sophomore year in high school, we moved to Phoenix, uh, Chandler. And if you recall from back in the day, Chandler Air Force uh, Base, Williams Air Force Base in Chandler was a uh, undergraduate pilot training base for the Air Force. So okay. T-37s, tweets. T-38s and even F-5s there for Walker. They were training foreign pilots in the F-5, including Iranians back in okay. the 70s. Yeah. So I'm in Chandler and I'm seeing uh, these F uh, F-5s, T-38s, T-37s, you know, flying overhead, make a lot of noise, look cool as heck. And uh, we go to the base to shop, you know, commissary and exchange nearest the military mm -hmm. uh, base was Williams Air Force Base. I'm seeing these cool looking Air Force pilots in flight suits and fast cars and Sometimes good-looking women hanging out with me going, those guys look pretty damn cool. That looks pretty neat. So I really got interested, inspired to fly. Thank you, you know, U.S. Air Force, undergraduate pilot training. Sparked my interest in flying airplanes, watching nice. those guys. But nice. I thought it was kind of out of reach. I go, ahead, that's, that's something I can't. That's something unattainable. But uh, That's something other people do. I get that, you know. Right. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, so in fact, yeah. I went to college and I talked to an Air Force recruiter. And at that time, he told me, we're looking for engineers. Are you studying engineering? I go, no, I'm studying criminal justice. And he pretty much laughed at me almost and said, no thanks. <laughs> uh, but uh, one day I'm in front of the college dormitory uh, and all the services come to colleges to recruit, which they do to high schools. Uh, and a gunnery sergeant, just one gunnery sergeant with a folding card table set up in front of the college dormitory early one morning after I just run cross country uh, morning's uh, practice. And he stood there with some pamphlets and just dared us to come talk to him. Didn't call us over, just ignored us. Nice. So I'm standing in line with all these other college kids and I felt kind of sorry for the guy. So I walked over and you know, my dad's retired army first sergeant, started talking to his gunnery sergeant, Zuccarelli, Gunny Z. He worked for the Oso out of Phoenix. Nice. And uh, starts talking to me about, uh, well, you probably don't have what it takes to be a Marine anyway, you know, so it kind of throws down the gauntlet and bait you, know, you. Marine Corps is not, yeah, Marine Corps is not for everybody, you know, hardcore. You got to really be strong physically, mentally, and all that. And uh, he said, But uh, are you interested in flying? I go, Yeah, actually, I am interested in flying. I had no idea that the Marine Corps even had airplanes. I didn't know that as an Army brat. He showed me all these color brochures of jets. This is back in, you know, 78, 79. So, you know, Phantoms, A4s, A6s, the Bronco, and of course, helicopters, Cobras, and all that stuff. And and I agreed to beat him after breakfast and take the uh, the test, you know, flight aptitude test. And apparently, I passed that somehow, some miracle, and uh, went through the whole application process. And uh, 
and I'm getting the contract, the standard uh, platoon leader course air contract. So my freshman year in college, Marine Corps gives me a contract, says, hey, you get through college, you go to Officer Canyon School, you go to the basic school, we will send you to flight school. Pretty good deal, right? Good deal. Good so that's deal. why I, I signed up, just to some gunnery sergeant standing in front of a car table. Beautiful. There I was. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, so, you know, I've, I've ventured to guess there's a lot of Marine pilots walking around today with very similar circumstances. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so, you mentioned something in Paston, though, real quickly. Uh, to go down this rabbit hole a little bit before we circle back. Uh, you were majoring in criminal justice, um, which led you to another uh, interesting job for a little while before you wound up in the Marine Corps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Arizona Highway Patrol. So that kind of came out of the roundabout way, too. I'm a freshman in college. Uh, got through my freshman year running cross country track, got injured, had a knee injury. So I was, you know, I'm a poor college student, uh, on a partial scholarship, painting houses, you know, walking coaches, dogs and work study, selling basketball tickets at the college basketball games and, and struggling financially a little bit. Uh, my sophomore year comes around and, uh, there was on a highway of choke came recruiting, just like the, the military. And one of my college professors said, Hey, this would be a great experience if you would go listen to what they had to say and go take their written examinations, a great civil service exam and do the interview. If you qualify and get through that whole interview process, great experience, no desire for the job at the time. So I went and took the written test in Casa Grande, Arizona, and I passed like 80% and you pass, they give you a slot. Come, Hey, come back this afternoon at, you know, two 30 for an interview. And it was a six V one interview with all these police officers. I'll be me. <laughs> And everybody else in the waiting room area in the hallway, they wanted to be a state trooper. These are ex-military guys or current police officers or 30-some-year-old dudes. I'm a you know, 19-year-old, I think, college student. Uh, didn't want the job, just wanted the experience. So I had no pressure, if you will. I go into the interview, right. yeah. and I get grilled about different stuff and scenarios. And later that evening, I'm back in my dormitory, and I get a knock on the door, and the, the major who ran the board says, hey, if everything you told us today is true, you're not bullshitting us, and we're going to do a background check, you will probably be a state trooper. We're probably going to hire you. So I ended up going through the whole – he talked me into going through the whole process. Background check, uh, polygraph examination. I had to go run a physical fitness test, you know, which, right. you know, of course, is, I'd already been through PLC Junior. So if you can run a Marine Corps O course, you can run the Arizona Highway Patrol O course. Great. Here you go. And so I uh, went through the polygraph. The biggest problem for me was the polygraph. They were convinced that everybody in Arizona had gone to high school, especially near the border towns like I did in Sierra Vista, had smoked marijuana at some point. Sure, sure. And they did not believe I had not smoked marijuana. And I, I never had. So I kept coming back to How is that possible? Yeah, come on. And he kept, he kept he, I'm going to stop the machine right now. No bullshit. I know you've at least taken one toke of a marijuana cigarette. Come on, man. I said, no, no. So he kept coming back to the marijuana. And what almost tripped me up really was at one point he said, hey, have you ever stolen anything of value? I said, uh, well, like these are not candy bars as a kid. As an adult, have you stolen anything? He said, yes, actually I have. He goes, what? I'm on wire to a polygraph machine. Yeah. Yeah. I said, uh, books, college books. He goes, from college books? Yeah, from the college bookstore. I said, what kind of books? I said, criminal justice books. <laughs> he goes, what? Stop, thief. <laughs> yeah, I said, these books are really expensive. I couldn't afford them. So I would go to the college bookstore and I was stealing these $60, $70 college books for, for college classes. So I still, but because I was I guess, honest enough to admit that, yeah. I got hired. So I went through the whole process and on Christmas break, my sophomore year, the highway of Joe called me and offered me a job. 
And being a broke nice. college student, I was in my mom's kitchen. Said, "Hey, what, what are they paying?" They said, "Like nineteen thousand to start as a cadet." My mom said, "Take." That's real money. So yeah. I quit school. Yeah, joined the Arizona Highway Patrol. Had to wait. So I was a gopher of you, a trainee, until I was old enough to go to the academy because you had to be twenty-one years of age to be a sworn police officer. Okay. So they timed it so that I was twenty-one by the time I graduated the academy, and then wow. I got sent down to Casa Grande, Arizona, Pinal County. Uh, FTO, which is kind of like a field training officer, kind of like being on probation, like OE with the airlines. Sure. Yeah. And then you're on one-year probation, but you're on your own. Arizona Highway Patrol, they give you a patrol car, a shotgun, a pistol, first aid kit, and they cut you loose after training. <laughs> they go, hey, go out there and enforce the laws of the state of Arizona. 21 years old. 21 years old, license is still, drive like a maniac, do my best James Bond, you know. I had Gun a, a badge. What what was the uh, yeah. unit you were driving? What would they? Oh, well, I'll tell you my first car. It's a good, great question, Fix. My first car, you know, you don't get, if you're a rookie, you don't get a nice car, you know. Right. So <laughs> I show up to Casa Grande, Arizona, my sergeant, <laughs> Sergeant Bob Aguilar, big guy, says, Oh, here's your car. And it was a 19, it's a piece of shit, 1977 <laughs> Dodge Monocle. <laughs> now it was cool because it was all jacked up and real, looked fast as hell, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. it might have done 130, maybe, you know, but it had a really yeah. bad cooling system. So I got overheated, tend to overheat. So I get my first car and I, I'm looking at it, walking around. I go, hey, where's my cage? You know, the cage yeah. you expect, right? Yeah. Right. You know what he told me? He says, only pussies need cages. Real men don't need cages. <laughs> you handcuff. You cuff your prisoner behind the back and you seatbelt him in right next to you in the right front passenger seat. If he's really a badass, you take, if you're right handed, take your service revolver out. You carry revolvers back then. Yeah. And stick it underneath your leg and sit on it so you can't grab your gun. So no cage, <laughs> riding around with some, sometimes a real badasses and right in the, uh, running from the handcuff next to you, picking them up and go to jail. So that was, yeah. So I did that for the rest of my college. Went back, I went back to school at Arizona State, re-enrolled, uh, got back in the PSC program, thankfully, because I'd, I'd been the, uh, thankfully I was the uh, uh, Commandant's Trophy recipient in my uh, PLC juniors shows over. We got another one fake. No, 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 yeah. no, anyway, no, no. Yeah, there's, two, there's, there's two of you guys now we've interviewed hey, that have been Commandant you, trophy you, winners. Uh, right now. Yeah. Well, you know, if you can run, if you can PT, yeah. they won. And my dad was a green beret. I was raised by a combat veteran green beret. So I was, yes, right. sir. No, sir. Two bags full, sir. You know, they like that. All right. You know? yeah, so it was pretty right. OCS is fairly easy. And mostly that's awesome. the hardest part of OCS is keep them laughing. What was right. going on around me? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I did the highway patrol, and then the uh, got back an old PLC program, and uh, uh, Marine Corps gave me a one-year graduation date extension. Say, okay, you got your contract still. Just get through, get that college degree. And oh, that's And the highway perfect. patrol gave me a military leave of absence. So when I left the highway patrol, turned all my my guns and car back in uh, in the summer of '83. Uh, went and I immediately drove to Quantico, Virginia, and I had a I had a badge as a state trooper almost my entire Marine Corps career. So I got out of jail for free a lot. That's awesome. For speeding. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. So one other quick question, and I'm trying to dig back in my memory, but I'm pretty sure this was you. Did you film a Harrier commercial with the Arizona State Patrol? About, no, that uh, wasn't me, actually, but that was um, it was you, my guys. They tried okay. to get me, but I was, in, I was forward deployed. I, was, I think I was okay. in Westpac or something, so... They used, uh, who was it? They used, uh, so they actually filmed a Harrier doing a rolling vertical landing. To pull like a car over. Pulling a car over. And then had, a, then they, you know, had the pilot in his flight gear yeah. uh, pretend to write a ticket to a, uh, a civilian in a, in, a, uh, in a Mustang or something. That was pretty that cool. Was yeah, a, but that was, 
That was the Arizona High Patrol commercial. Yeah, exactly. That was great. Yeah. Be damned. Um, yeah. Road Patrol by Air, that sort of thing. Do you have a copy of that video by chance? I probably have it on YouTube. And I, can't. I bought it. I got. I know I have photos of it at least. Okay. I'm trying to remember the guy that. I get back to you later on about who the pilot was. You can talk to him about that. Let me find yeah, him. Okay. Yeah. So, so hey, you did two. So you did two uh, uh, OCSs, right? Uh, it's I did PLC and juniors and seniors. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any good? Uh, do you have any fond memories of uh, of uh, any of your drilling instructors? At uh, well, I think the uh, you know I, I tried to lay low, but uh, I think the biggest one was uh, I think PLC juniors. We had a candidate who made the mistake of lighting up a cigarette when the smoking lamp was not lit. Oh boy. And all oh, men, they went, this is 1979 when they could still do a lot of incentive PT and things that they probably yeah. can't do now. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And they, I remember they got us all in a big squad in a, a school circle and they had this candidate and they, they threw him into a wall locker with every pack <laughs> of circuits they could find that confiscated from cans when they showed up. So they had, this guy must've had, I mean, I'm going to say maybe six or eight packs of cigarettes and a couple big lighters. And they throw them in the wall locker, lock them in there, and they told them, you either smoke all those cigarettes, you eat them all. You're not coming on that damn wall locker to eat, you know, all the cigarettes are gone. <laughs> then they're, they're beating on the wall locker with, you know, brooms and mops, <laughs> yelling at them. Smoke's starting to come out of the vents. This guy's trying to smoke all these cigarettes. And then he got sick, and he was in there for a long time. He was throwing up. Oh, no. It was pretty bad. And so nobody ever smoked a cigarette after that, though, I tell you, you know. I don't know why you would. Yeah, yeah the drill instructors were pretty... <laughs> a lot of uh, and when I went back as a as a major at OCS as a company commander years later, yeah, I heard this. Uh, was yeah, this after yeah. the Blues? Yeah, the yeah. Blues. So, they, so were you going to a school then? I was and... going to the Marine Corps uh, Command and Staff College, so I had okay. a gap, and so I wanted to go do something in Quantico, and I ended up at OCS, which is fun, pushing Canada through as a major. Now, so I got platoon commanders, Marine captains, yeah, and the drill instructors worked for me. And they had very strict, this is now what, uh, 1995, right? Okay. 96, 96 now. Yeah. And so very strict rules. Mothers of America and congressmen had forced the Marine Corps to change how they handled recruits and candidates in a much more gentler and kind, kinder way. Sure. So one of the rules was no more incentive PT. You can only drop a, a cannon for 20 push-ups for a rifle violation, mishandling a weapon. That was it. Outside of scheduled PT, the only other alternative they had to punish candidates was a 500-word essay. Uh, and they said, you know, and, and they would fire you on the spot, anybody who was involved in any kind of mishandling the candidates. So I got my first essay from a candidate who had actually had run by me and failed to recognize me as Major Hancock. You know, so, of uh -huh. course, he got jumped on, and, and he was assigned a 500-word essay. <laughs> and I got this essay a few days later, and it was a work of art. So the drill instructors took this 500-word essay, and they translated it into only going to count words that are six uh, letters or greater <laughs> as 500 words. Okay. And you had to underline the can handwritten had to underline each six letter word and then number it this candidate. So candidate would be number underline number yeah. one. Yeah. And, and they had to finish on a six letter word or greater with 500 six letter words or greater. It was like this masterpiece of, Oh my God, these drill instructors, oh. they know how to, <laughs> Oh yeah. I, how to hey, twist just it. Side note, as I, painful as possible. I had 13 300 word essays assigned to me while I was at OCS. What? 13 oh 300 words. Didn't have to number them, just had to be but, 300 words, no more, no had, less. But you're in your rack at night, probably doing it at night with a flashlight, probably. Yes, right? exactly. Because you don't know all the time to do it. No. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So drill instructors, you know, it's the art and science of being a drill instructor. And I had to keep the same thing there as a major. Just try to keep them laughing. Right. Because when you're watching it, it's funnier than shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. When you're not oh, on the yeah. receiving end. Exactly. As long as you're not on the receiving end, you can see the humor in it. It's, it's, yeah. the, those guys are masters. So Kurt Curly yes. was our other honor grad, yeah. and uh, he took he actually told me offline that at one point he didn't he never got a chit. So the last day of OCS, he got called in and got a chit for not getting a chit. I got called in uh, right away at PLC Juniors because they thought I had an attitude, even though I was a three hundred PFT and was you know walking the line and yeah. yes or no, sir. They they thought I was smirking a lot, like smiling, like what's wrong with you, Cannon Hancock? So I got called into the platoon commander's office. It's just the way it looks, sir. Yeah, yeah. Drill instructors yelling at me. To, they thought I had an attitude problem, and so I asked if I could speak freely. And they said, "Go ahead, candidate." So I told them about First Sergeant Ben W. Heck, and my dad. You know, Silver Star, Bronze Star, Purple Hearts, yeah. Vietnam, Green Beret. About when we were little boys, my brothers and I. If you cried for any reason as a boy, you got treated like a girl. You're gonna act like a girl. You're gonna dress like a girl. He'd put a, my sister's dress on us, a baby bonnet, and gave us a baby <laughs> bottle, and put you in the front yard, make you stand in the front yard of your house. For two hours, and for all your friends, people walking the street, like, what's this freaking kid? <laughs> Boy, stand. This is 1960s. This is, yeah, you know, yeah. right. Uh, it wasn't cool to dress like a girl when you're, you know, a young boy. No, and so weird. I said, unless you're going to put me to the Marines, unless you're going to put me in a dress in Georgetown on Liberty Weekend, nothing you do is going to come near the way I was raised. So <laughs> I know you guys are doing your job. I respect that. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing kind of with you, if you will. And they said, Ken Hancock, you're dismissed. And they, me out of there. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Oh, that's oh, good. That's, that's, that's good beautiful. stuff. That's beautiful. All right, so t- the basic school. Uh, let's see. Yeah, basic school. Yeah, you know. Well, so w- when you went to seniors, um, oh, then you had to finish school. So you had finished school, you got commissioned, then you went to the basic school. Yeah, what well, I did. Yeah, I went to back to school, Arizona State, full time. Got my degree in May of '83. Got commissioned the same day. With the Army, uh, Air Force folks. I don't think there was Navy there. Just uh, a few Marines, Air Force ROTC, okay. Navy, excuse me, Air, uh, Army ROTC. Spent the rest of the summer working highway patrol until it was ready to go to Quantico for a Golf Company '83. That's and I drove my Mustang across the country and went to TVS, which I really kind of enjoyed for the most part. You know, running around the woods, playing shoot 'em up, bang bang. You know how? You know, of course, anybody who had a remember the acronym FIGMAC? Yeah. Fuck it, yeah. I got my air contract. My, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. all the you know, about half my company had an air contract. It was a really big percentage. And so we'd run around, we you know, and I actually enjoyed it for the most part, offensive, defensive combat, you know, all the stuff you do with TBS. And but most guys, of course, you don't want to get your rifle dirty, especially uh before a Saturday inspection. Right. And so the guys would pretend to shoot, you know, Buddha Buddha Buddha, Buddha Buddha Buddha. <laughs> And they would take all their, you know. It's like guns and uh, flares and chaff in the hairy, right? Yeah, yeah, flares, yeah, flares, yeah, flares. Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. right? Yeah, Buddha, 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 Buddha. <laughs> Running around the woods in Quantico pretending you're shooting people. Uh, and then dropping all of their um, their actual rounds, you know, blanks. Because blanks are really dirty. When you shoot a blank oh, round yeah. through the rifle, it's yeah. really foul. It's horrible. Guys are burying their rounds in dirt and mud and stuff. And and would maybe shoot one round and then do the Buddha, Buddha, Buddha with the rest of it. You know, so they could not to get the rifle dirty. So I went through TBS for the most part, enjoyed it. And while I was there, the Matzik CO came. Uh, I know we don't say names here, but it's called, it's yeah. called him Bull. Okay. So he's a full bird colonel, helicopter, Vietnam veteran, big guy. And he brings a T-34 into Quantico with a student pilot. 
and we go we got all the areas get called to uh, O'Bannon Hall, whatever it was, you know, the, the auditorium. Yeah. And we think we're gonna get a motivational speech about, hey, you guys are so close to graduating TPS and joining us down here in the promised land, Pensacola, Florida. We're all pumped up and the colonel goes on the stage and it was all negative. It was really negative about how wow. poorly Marine students were doing in Pensacola academically, guys getting in trouble downtown and, you know, drunk and stupid and I'll have your ass, you know, and you better come prepared and you better said. And so he had all these uh, wow. boxes of books shipped to the basic school for these self-paced uh, books about trigonometry, algebra one, two, and three, what? Uh, geometry. Yeah. All these mathematical i'm a criminal justice major i barely got wow, yeah. math for athletes you know consumer math was hard yeah. you know which which costs more the 32 ounce can of pork and beans for this price or the 60 you know yeah. Four yeah. Can, you know, ounce yeah. can of pork and beans you know so i'm like shit so i took all those books went through all the books and then took one of my buddy's books and went through his he was a, a naval academy grad aeronautical engineer he wasn't going to do those damn self-paced yeah. yeah. books i did his books and I still felt, man, I'm not going to make it. I can do this infantry stuff. I like this stuff. Flight school was uh, the great unknown, right? Sure. I'm going to go down there and fail out. So I went to see my uh, company commander, Major, let's call him Steve, okay. infantry officer. All right. And I asked permission to speak to, to the major. And I thought he was going to give me a bear hug when I tell him I want to convert to infantry, drop my air contract. I, w I finished number two at TBS. So I'd done well enough. I thought, okay, he'll, okay. he'll want me number to be one. Two? Number two? Yeah. Number two? Slacker. Yeah, I missed out. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, didn't get number one. I was a slacker. Oh, my God. So, anyway, so I, I was two from the bottom, I said, think. Hey, sir, uh, I'd like to drop my air contract and go to MG officer course. He goes, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> <laughs> you want to do what? <laughs> so, instead of the bear hugging, hey, I'll be converted the guy, you know? Yeah. He's chewing my ass. Like, what? I'm standing there with position of attention now. He goes, Lieutenant Hancock, you're an idiot. He goes, let me tell you something. If you tell anybody else this, you will not graduate next week from TBS. He says, I went to the flight school to Pensacola with an air contract years ago. And I pissed it away chasing girls and drinking too much beer in Seville Quarter. Right. And didn't <sighs> study hard enough, and I washed out. So I came back and became a successful Marine Corps infantry officer. He goes, but I'm beat to hell. My body, my knees, my back. He goes, do yourself a favor, son. Go to Pensacola. Try flight school. If you don't like it, you don't do well, you get air sick or something, I guarantee we'll bring you back and put you in ILC, empty officer course. So made, go. I, I got saved by an empty officer who convinced me to give flight school a shot. That's how right. Nice. Yeah. That, that's you know, awesome. Go figure, right? Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. He did you a big favor. Yeah, but then I got the flight school. Of course, you do academics first, right? And swim, right. you know, water, water survival. In engineering, water survival. Yeah, yeah. So I go to academics, and the first day of school was some engineering course with some Navy ECMO geek, you know, NFO type guy, A6 guy up there yeah. in khakis. And there was like 70 students in the classroom, bunch, a few Marines, mostly Navy, and a few Coast Guard guys. And of all walks of life in schools, and I was number seven in the first row. And he said, okay, I want everybody to stand up, state your name, where'd you go to school, and what'd you study? So the first six guys, uh, Naval Academy, Aeronautical Engineering, you know, or <laughs> Purdue University, you know, Mechanical Engineering. Like, oh, my God. All six guys in front of me had all went to really nice, prestigious schools sure. and had studied engineering of some type. Like, oh, my God, it's a setup. 
So I stood up. Second Lieutenant Ben Hancock, Arizona State University, criminal Criminal. justice. (laughs) And they laughed at me. You know, I go, oh my God, I'm in the wrong place. But you know how it is. Determination, hard work, you know, just regurgitate whatever the Navy tells you is and spit it back on the test and go fly airplanes. You know, you make it work. Nice. It worked. Right. Yeah. It worked. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. But I was still doubtful. I got, I got jets. Thankfully I got lucky. Went to Kingsville, Texas. Kingsburg. Which I really thought was the, yeah, man. You know, I got to admit, I, you know, I'm a geek, but uh, my first solo in a T-34, you know, the poem high flight by Calypso. Yes. He was world, written in world war two, I believe by a Canadian air force pilot who penned it. I think in a poem, does mom, I think the story goes, it's a great poem, right? Uh, right. You know, the air force, you know, military, you grew up, you go to an air force base for a theater and you scream, parts and the first thing you do is stand attention for the national anthem and then they play the air force always played high flight so i thought that was a great poem so i memorized that poem and i knew that poem and the first time i sold a uh, navy t-34 i recited it sounds geeky but i've recited i'm getting paid to fly this really fantastic aerobatic turboprop and i couldn't help but recite the poem high flight in honor of that guy anyway so i get to kingsville t2 buckeyes vt23 my timing was perfect. There was no students. They had more jets and IPs than they had students. Wow. That's crazy. unheard of. Yeah. yeah Everybody gets pulled. So it was me and one Navy ensign started T2 Buckeyes, intermediate jets together. Class of two. That's unheard of. Two of us. Yeah. He, of course, guess who he is? Naval Academy grad. Of course. Goes, you got to be kidding me. Man. So I go, I'm going to get blown out of the water by this guy. And he was a very smart guy. He was a brain, brainiac. They call him Tony. Let's call him Tony. So Tony and I start ground school together. And he's just acing this stuff, you know, blowing through it. But he, one of those guys that was really smart, but just couldn't put the eye-hand coordination together in the airplane. You know what I mean? Did okay, well in sure. T, uh, T-34s with jets. Things happen faster. He just struggles. So every phase, he got it down. And I was moving ahead so i actually left him behind and then they tried at him about midway through jets and sent me the p3s or something um so uh, when i got my wings later i went temporary also duty uh, back to arizona state nau u of a you know yeah so help recruiting other officers into yeah. the program you came into yeah yeah great and yeah. they also hey bring your flight gear and flight suits you know and try to get some guys that want to fly airplanes in the marine corps so I'm out of Arizona State one day with the table set up. I had a, all my flight gear and helmet and G-suit and all this stuff. And had a big crowd gathered around. The also standing behind me. You know, he's an arty guy. And he's like, he's fired up because I got all these guys interested in aviation. And so this one guy goes, hey, how hard was flight school? I said, it was challenging. But, you know, work hard. You make through it. He said, um, what was the attrition rate? I said, 50% in my class. <laughs> said, what? Said, yeah, 50%. Of my- I couldn't help but, you know, yeah. throw that out there. He goes, well, how did you do? I said, I was number one. So <laughs> <laughs> then I told him, I go, there's only two of us. And the other thing I didn't make it. That, that's unheard of. That's that's awesome. But my yeah. timing was good because I got through pretty quick and got uh, got my wings and jets and got lucky and then went Harriers. So nice. You know. Was that your first choice? You know, it was. And uh, you know, I'll tell you, I'm not gonna say I love the Harrier. I got two thousand hours and missed that free flight time in it, uh, my time, but uh you know, I got lucky to mix it up my other airplanes too. But you know, if I could go back, you never can go back. But if I could do it, I think I would have dream would have been F4 Phantoms, Hawaii, F18 transition. I've always thought the Phantom was a really iconic jet. Oh, yeah. So I had they were giving up the very yeah. last F4 Phantom orders, and I passed up Phantoms and Hornets 
the Marine Corps were smart wow. enough. They, they, they flew two brand new AVABs into Kingsville, Texas. And these guys did a V-stall show, you know, landed. And we didn't get, I never saw an F-18 there during my time. So um, they brought these Harriers in brand new, smelled like a new car, you know, yep. showed us the cockpit, like all that glass cockpit. I thought this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, compared to the TA-4J. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah technology and so i said hey and these guys come and say, you want to be a marine pilot and you want to support marines on the ground the harrier is the way to go so i signed up i said i want harriers if i'd done well enough like i think i could have selected what i wanted out of there so i went 203 here Race. i come yeah 203 the harrier rag so. you know hornet did as much combat as the harrier did right i mean it wasn't yeah. like the hornet guys were back in conus well, Harrier guys are dropping bombs. I mean, sometimes the oh, Mew were doing stuff, you know, maybe off the Mew that the Hornet guys weren't there. But typically, if it's something big, you know, the Hornets were there, right. F-16s were there, A-10s, F-15s, you know, all the major players got to got to participate in the end anyway. Right. In, in fact, uh, as I recall, you were uh, with the Bumblebees in 331 during Gulf War One. Am I correct? You bet. Yep, yep. We did. Yeah. Uh, okay. I went to 203, then I went to... Uh, 331 did a Westpac, did the very first ever AVAB Westpac, Iwakuni, Japan. And there's, a, you know, there's always some good stories from there, too, good and bad. And I got, I went there on the Skipper's A, A team, then I went to the B team. Uh, it's a couple of stories there, but why I went, I got, <laughs> got on this shit list, literally, in Iwakuni. <laughs> uh, did you run over the believe. zero hanger? What's that? Did you run over the zero hanger? <laughs> the zero hanger? No, I didn't. Well, I'll tell you one story from there. So I was, we, uh, our skipper, and I'll, again, I'll be careful here. Um, the skipper yep. was really political, and he wanted to make full bird colonel. And he was determined to make full bird. And back then, uh, the, the, uh, they didn't have boards or command slate. You basically, if the commanding general, whoever liked you, you know, he could make you a group commander, your colonel. Same thing as squadron commander. You know, group commanders and CGs can make you a squadron commander before they had command screen boards. So his goal, he made it clear to all of us, I'm going to be a full bird colonel, and I'm going to command MAG-12. I'm coming back here, and you guys are going to get me there. You know, so we and we were a very talented squadron. We had a lot of good guys, and yeah. we made 331 then. You know, first AVAB squadron, first uh, Westpac, a lot of good guys wanted to go. So he was giving this brief about the Harrier capability to all the big dogs. First, you know, MAG-12 CO, and then the wing commanding general, and then the MEF commanding general. And then uh, he had the uh, admiral in charge of all Westpac, all Pacific. Basically, Sink Pack was going to yeah, come okay. to our ready room at Iwakuni to listen to our skipper give a brief on the Harrier capabilities. He's a brand new asset in Westpac, you know, especially with Korea and all that. Hey, Law Man, what, what year is this? 1989. 89. All right. Yeah, we went June to December of 89. Nice. Transpacked all the way over there and transpacked back. And then 542 took our spot. So this is the big deal to the skipper, you know, and he we had and we all had to be there. Every every pilot had to be in the in the flight uh, in a flight suit, polished boots, in the ready room as an audience, an attentive, interested audience. You know, while he gave his brief with the old, remember the old uh, slideshows, you know. Yep. Sure. So he, and, so uh, he so didn't he have was, applause signs and yeah, yeah, almost like that. Yeah, everybody <laughs> clap now. And of course, you'll be in a bunch of JLs. He was saying a bunch of bullshit about the range of the Harrier taking off with no tankers going from Iwakuni to range targets in North Korea and come back with a full load of bombs. You know, six Mark eighty twos with no tank. Yeah, we're all like going bullshit, bullshit. You know, in the back. <laughs> but uh, they would point to the whole history of the squadron on these pictures on the wall. And he would. 
talk about VMSB 331 and World War II, and you go through the whole thing, for, you know, jet age and all that. The whole history is boring as hell. It really sucked. Uh, so Ad Admiral Moss was going to come to our squadron and listen to Lieutenant Colonel to give this brief. And the point of time, it was a Friday afternoon. We're not flying. Smurf, remember Smurf? Yeah. Yes. Smurf was the only guy he was going to take a jet up for a maintenance check flight. Nobody else was flying because of this dog and pony show with this admiral. He polished rocks and stuff, you know, clean things up. <laughs> and so the point of time comes and there's no admiral. Then a half an hour goes by, then an hour, then maybe an hour and a half. Like, where's the admiral? You know, and we're, we were stuck on the second deck of the, of the ready room, the hangar. Yeah. Can't leave. And so uh, Dickie Joe, Snake, was their XO. So Snake was the XO. Hobbit was the OPSO. And uh, I made the excuse I need to go down and use the head. There was no head upstairs. Can make the excuse to go use the, the bathroom downstairs. So Snake, all right, long man, but you get right back up here. I went down to the phone in S1, admin, and I used like toilet paper or something or paper towels and I muffled the phone and I called the ready room. And, God bless you. Oh. Yeah. And Pope, Pope yeah. was the ODO captain. Yeah, yeah. Captain, you know, blah, 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 VMA 331 ready room, I help you, sir. I said, and I disguised my voice pretty well, I thought. And I said, hey, this is uh, Lieutenant Savoy. I pulled a name out of my ass, Savoy. Yeah. Um, I am Admiral Moss's personal aide, and I'm calling to regret to inform you that the Admiral can't make the, the brief today. The, the C-12 broke down in Atsugi, Naval Air Station. He's unable to attend. <laughs> and I can, and Pope tells the ready room, and I can hear guys above me cheering, and yeah, oh, right, the brief's been canceled, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the XO walks. Oh, who's this? Who's this again? This is uh, Lieutenant Savoy, Admiral Maz's personal aide. So I repeat the whole story to somebody else, and then they're getting ready to break chalks and send everybody home. And and then, but somebody goes, "Who? Wait, let me talk to this." And say, "Wait, lawman, is that you?" They heard my voice, and they go, "Yeah, it's me. I'm just playing a joke." God damn it, it's lawman playing a joke. Everybody stay put. Everybody heard that except for Spurk, who had just done his paperwork after yeah. the maintenance flight. He bolts downstairs. The skipper's outside in his piss cutter and flight suit. It's hot. It's August. He's pacing back and forth in the hot sun with his note cards, memorizing his speech. Right. And almost knocks, uh, Smurf almost knocks him over. He goes, hey, sir. And he goes, um, skipper, hey, where are you going? The Admiral's coming any minute. No, he's not, sir. He just called. They just called the ready room. They're not coming. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, damn it. So he doesn't go upstairs to verify this. He goes into And Smurf didn't hear the joke part. So oh. Skipper walks in his office on the first deck and calls base operations where the commanding general's waiting, the group commander, the base commander, <laughs> and little Shit. brass quintet from the uh, first sure. Marine aircraft wing band, you know, on the port, <laughs> uh, sure. the tour, the whole welcome carpet, you know, the red carpet oh, yeah. treatment. Yeah. For this major, you know, yeah. admiral coming in. For the sink pack. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. He goes, hey, sir, this is Lieutenant Colonel, you know, such and such. Hey, we just got the call from the admiral's aide. They're not coming. Oh, what? Oh, okay. Everybody stand down, put the band oh. back on the bus, <laughs> roll the carpet up. <laughs> and they started to disperse. Then the skipper walks upstairs and I'm talking to oh boy, Snake and Hobbit at the top of the ladder well. And the skipper's all sweaty and he's upset. Well, Snake, go ahead and dismiss uh, the guy. There's no sense hanging around here. Well, why is that, sir? Well, didn't you get a phone call? The brief's been canceled, right? <laughs> Nobody's coming. Oh, sir, that was Law Man playing a joke on Pope. Oh, my God. Everyone's he's already the turned the band away. <laughs> yeah, now he's trying to go put the toothpaste oh, back yeah, in the tube. They, they called back the base ops, and, uh, and they, uh, 
get the bat back out there. He's still coming. And no kidding. The seed falls on like short final. No, no. Oh, yeah. I think uh -huh. they barely made it. They got enough of an entourage that somebody met the Admiral and they bring him right oh. over to 331. And, and the skipper is so rattled. He's a mess. And plus we had, of course, being junior officer, we had moved all the pictures around, rearranged the historic <laughs> sequence of folder, you know? Yes. And so he's pointing to the yes. wrong picture. Then he's all confused. And it was, a, it was a mess. So then we all, of course, adjourned to the old club. Yes. Where the Admiral hears about this, this story somehow. I get called over. Now, the Admiral thinks it's funny. Yeah. The group commander thinks it's funny. I think the wing CG thought it was funny. Yeah, but the skipper Everybody did, yeah. thought it was funny, but the skipper. <laughs> <laughs> so later on at the Oak Club that evening, we get the word, all officers meeting, 0730, Saturday morning, being made 331. And everybody looks at me and goes, oh, man, this is your fault. So we all go back over there. We're all in the... And our flight suits in the ready room and uh, waiting for the skipper to come up. He doesn't show up, doesn't show up. Snake goes downstairs, comes back up. He said, gentlemen, the skipper is so upset he can't talk to you. He goes, but here's the new rules. He goes, number one, for the remainder of Westbeck, there'll be no more laughing, scratching, joking around. Everybody will be serious about this job over here. Number two, lawman, you are prohibited from using the telephone for the remainder of Westpac. I go, what? He goes, you are not allowed to touch the telephone. Go, yes, sir. <laughs> then he says, uh, this will be here. We're going to refer to this as the, uh, the Lieutenant Savoy incident. And Lawman needs to see my office right now. So I go downstairs at him, and, and he goes, I got the skipper's personal shit list right here in front of me. And it was written in purple felt, and skipper used pur purple felt pens to make sure it was him. Uh -huh. And uh, he said, Lawman, it says shit list. He said the first three names is Lawman, Lawman, oh, yeah. and Lawman. <laughs> <laughs> Number four was Smurf. <laughs> the priest been canceled. The priest been calling Paul Revere for a while. Uh, and he said this has nothing to do with what happened yesterday. But I got to send somebody to Pohang, Korea, for uh -huh. two weeks of duty in the field as a fixed wing fragger. And guess Lawman, who that is? <laughs> pack your shit. You're going to Korea. Anyway, has nothing so, to do with yesterday, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got, man, I, I, I was, Skipper did not like me after that in the Netherlands, man. But uh, anyway, that's where I got my worst finish report. Uh, so I got All one over. that was adverse uh, initially from my maintenance officer. I went from being a star, one of six in maintenance to the bottom. Bottom to, 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 to seven, seven to six. six. Oh yes. <laughs> How low can you go? You know, in the old system. Remember the old system? Yes. Uh, yeah. I got. I got like basically like unsat or below averages. Like holy cow, man! I knew this is a career ender. Yeah. Right. A double signer. Yeah. Well, and the patrols looking better all the time. Yeah, right? man. The maintenance officer is like, I'm sorry to do this, but the skipper told me it's either you or or me. So I, he, you know, he told me to hammer you. Wow. And so wow. I said, hey, tell you what, I said, just take. Just take section C and just write motherfucker and I'll sign it. I don't care at this point because I'm, I'm going to get out anyway. You just made my decision. <laughs> I'm going to leave the Corps. But anyway, wow. so somehow I survived. I got, it got pulled. I think the group commander heard about it and told the skipper to change it back to something. Lighten up, Francis. Quite adverse because it was a <laughs> yeah, joke. You know, anyway. Come on. Lighten up, Francis. Lighten right. up, Francis. Yeah, yeah. So that was oh, man. kind of extended my West back a little bit. A few other things happened over there. Kind of fun. We had, we had a great time. You know, we went to Kubi. Point before it shut down. Yeah, that was an experience. See, we we Westpacked in '92, uh, the same time frame, but we went in '92, and Cuby uh, was closed because uh, the oh, volcano yeah. had Mount Pinatubo. Pinatubo, yeah, Mount yeah. Pinatubo erupted. Yeah. I think when 231 was over there. 
So I think it went us and then 542, and I believe 231 maybe. Uh, well, 231 was pre- Westpac, right? The, uh, when they the relieved board, us. The board, yeah, they, we re- they I think Westpac, we relieved yeah. 542. So I think 542 was there when it blew. Might have been them, yeah. yeah. No, so. no. Hey, uh, repeat. We we relieved. Oh, we relieved uh, to, well, 214. That's 214. right. 214. The yeah. West Coast Squadron, yeah, the Black Sheep. Okay, yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. But. Yeah. Hey, were those airplanes brand new, Lawman, when you guys took them to Westpac? Were they brand new? The Bs are, yeah, RAVBs are pretty much brand new. Uh, and, the, that, and again, the Skipper was big on paint. We We had, you know, 400 pounds of paint on each jet. We painted oh, sure. it. It was, it was really, yeah, we overdid it, dog and pony. Yeah, but pretty, pretty brand new airplanes. And uh, I was, uh, I got lucky. I was a, as a first lieutenant before we went over, I went, I went over to the captain, but I was a section lead, division lead, um, NATO's checker, instrument checker as a first lieutenant in VMA 331. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool deal back then. And then uh, did the uh, med float with the uh, USS Guam piece of shit boat uh, in 88 with uh, buckwheat. Satchmo, yeah. Oscar, Nightmare, Pope, a British exchange bought a TC. Uh, oh, yeah, myself. I remember TC. TC bought a bicycle from me when I was in Hawk Missiles, and I came back, and I got the, my very first ride in a, in a T-Bird was in his back seat, and he showed me how you could hover in the braking stop. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, he had a lot of, you know, he, yeah. he was in a program back when the Royal Air Force pilots could either uh, – designate themselves just to be a professional pilot and fly jets for their whole career through right. the command track. And he was just a professional. He had a shitload of carrier time for anybody our age. He was, you know, much more experienced in the jet. Right. Yeah. Uh, than American pilots were for the same time frame. But he'd been all he did was fly. You know, yeah. but he was always cheating. Which on low levels, you know, our, our minimum was 200 foot above the ground for uh, section low level work and TC was down there at 50 feet all the time, you know, raging around like a Brit. And we all say, right. Hey, TC, you gotta, you gotta step it up, man. You gotta bring it up here at least level with me. Uh, the Brits, they were aggressive. Yeah. And we snuck him over. In fact, uh, our skipper wanted to take him on his boat debt and headquarters Rinko said no, because we're going to spend a lot of time with the Spanish and the, you know, the, the Brits and Spanish are still kind of button heads. This is in the you know, 1980s. Yeah. I guess there's yeah. still some friction there uh, in that part of the oh. world. It's the right. whole rocket Gibraltar thing. Yeah, the whole, exactly. Gibraltar thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's still an issue. It's still a thing. So it's still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the skipper was told, no, you can't take the Brit. Pick another American pilot. So our skipper, who ended up making two star, Naval Academy grad, test pilot, really smart guy, said, fuck it. I'm going to send him anyway. And we disguised him as a Navy pilot because he had the long hair, the bushy mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the right, right, right. So there's no way we can pass this guy off as a Marine. <laughs> We can make him look a Navy pilot. So he became U.S. Navy, TC. (laughs) (laughs) And we translanded over there, met the uh, the boat out of the road of Spain, jumped on board the boat, floated around, did all that kind of stuff, went to Balakashir, Turkey. Uh, But my job, you know, I'm the only sober guy. I didn't drink alcohol. You know, I swore up alcohol as a state trooper. So my job was to get all these other drunk idiots back either to the base or back to the ship, you know, herding (laughs) drunk cats. And these guys... And Road to Spain, we got, I'm, I must have paid more bar fines, handed out more money to bartenders for broken shit that these guys, Buckwheat and these guys are breaking stuff. And Buckwheat had me still a Navy staff car. We're supposed to meet some um, uh, Marine Harrier pilot who was training the, the Spanish, the retired Harrier guy, uh-huh. old legendary guy, I can't remember his name, but uh, I went to get a, a car from the motor pool and they said, no, you can't have a car. You have to have a special orders. Well, you don't have any orders. Just a bunch of hairy guys off the boat. Yeah. So Buckwheat said, 
go get me a damn car. So I found his paperwork and I forged it and <laughs> Buckwheat signed it. So we stole, we illegally took a black and white Navy sedan with illegal paperwork out the front gate. And the Spanish guys are really looking at his paperwork closely, but they, they waved us through. Went to all these bars, <laughs> broke a bunch of shit, got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> On the way back, I'm driving this car with all these drunk Marines with me. And we're driving on this highway, this twisty mountainous road. And one of them is, they're grinding the right doors against the guardrail. They're opening the doors at like 60 kilometers. Oh, and they're grinding shit. the doors against the guardrail. No. Sparks are flying. They think it's funnier than shit, you know? No. Well, I'm not kidding. Yeah, they're grinding the doors. So I'm trying to, I can't cross the lane because of the traffic. So <laughs> I'm stuck against this guardrail. And the doors are open. They're, sparks are flying. <laughs> I signed for this car, Captain Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get back to the BOQ on base, and uh, I, I parked the car, and they ambushed me with uh, fire extinguishers, but they weren't fire extinguishers. They were chemicals. So my brother, Harrier Pilots, attacked me in the lobby with chemical fire extinguishers. I'm, I turned green the next day. I had oh, washing no. chemicals off me. Oh, no. <laughs> we, so we went and turned the car in. I parked it with all the damage on the far side of the parking lot so they, they couldn't see the obvious damage to this car we had done. Yeah. And we ran to our jets and flew on board the USS Guam. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure there'd be paperwork following me. I never heard about it again, but that was... Uh, and then TC uh, jumped out of a jet in Balakashir, Turkey. Uh, no. Yeah, we were doing display determination. It was the last day of the exercise. Hornets with us in a tent city. Sashmo, we were... Uh, we were flying with these F-5 guys, Turkish F-104s and F-5s. They love Satchel. They kept wanting to take him to a Turkish bathhouse. I don't know what it's about him. They didn't <laughs> like me so much. He and I were a section at one point. They love Satchel. I mean, the big guy, the big you know, bush mustache. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you come you come take Turkish bath with us. Oh, <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> oh, you come take Turkish bath. We'll show you Turkish bath. <laughs> and so uh, the last day of the exercise, uh, we were down. We had only had four jets. And uh, we uh, made it say, hey, we only have one jet left for the next section. It was TC, and I had uh, breathed this mission to fly with some Hornets and F-104s, do a target strike, Air Force aggressors, and then come back in for a, a photo shoot over the head of the airfield. One jet's left, so TC and I flipped the coin in this tent, in a GP tent, for who gets to fly this last yeah. sortie on this exercise. So he launches with two Hornets, two 104s, low-level strike, come back in. And uh, supposed to come back to the overhead, two Hornets, two Harriers, well, you know, supposed to be in the two 104s. Yeah. And two F-104s come back in by themselves. Wait, what's going on? Uh, and then one Hornet comes back. I look off to the south end of the airfield, and I see this big billowing black cloud of smoke. Oh, no. And I went in immediately, and I told Buckwheat, I go, we got a jet down south of the airfield. He goes, how do you know it's a Harrier? I go, well, there's a Hornet out there, and there's a Harrier. Which one do you think it is? And sure as shit, it was the Harrier. Uh, the flight, Hornet flight lead looked back at TC and Echelon and said, hey, TC, you're on fire. No firelight. Yeah. TC looks in his uh, mirrors and sure as shit, he's got flames out the ass end of the airplane, so he ejects. Oh so TC took the jet we flipped the coin for and jumped out of it in Balakashir, sure, Turkey. And then, of course, we had to tell the whole world that the mishap pilot was, was actually Royal, a Brit. Royal Air Force. He was Navy. <laughs> oh, yeah, Air Force. That's right. He was yeah. Army, yeah. That's Royal right. Air Force pilot flying a U.S. Marine Corps airplane in a NATO exercise in Turkey. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. So oh, TC got geez. to jump out of one. Yeah. So uh, what, what was the cause of that? 
low man? Uh, turbine blade failure, catastrophic okay. engine. Yeah, something, some of the blade or maybe compressor blade shit itself and went down the whole section, you know, and then yeah, got the turbine yeah. section, you know. So, so that 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 may have been the first one of several, right? It was probably was a, one of the first ones. That was '88, so that was early yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. There was a rash of those. Uh, oh like yeah, we had our, I can't, I, countless mm -hmm. after that. I can't remember how many. You know, VMA three thirty one, the bumblebees. Uh, uh, one point, I'm not. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Seven Class A mishaps uh, over maybe a five year period. That sounds about right. It was horrible. Yeah. Yep. It was. Oh yeah. It was, was the worst only mishap one, rate. Maybe one of those the... might have been pilot error. The rest are all catastrophic. Yeah. Nightmare jumped out of one. Yeah, he had the flap impingement. Um, we had uh, T, uh, uh, yeah, Jazz. He was the very first lieutenant to jump out of an AVAB with flap impingement when nobody believed it was flap impingement because the engineer said it can't happen. It's a redundant right. system. Yeah. What the lieutenant is saying is not, couldn't have happened. Weren't they going to pull his wings? Huh? They were going to pull his wings, right? It took him a year. Jazz, who actually gave me my, I'm thankful for him, he gave me my call sign or he nominated him for lawman. When they were trying to give me a call sign and be made 331 jazz saying god put on the whiteboard lawman because i had other ones where other nominations were festus or you know barney you know the barney with the one bullet <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all yeah. like law enforcement right. related you know cuffs right. or sticks or uh, police woman thank god police woman was too long to say on the radio it's too yeah. many syllables no long man's yeah, perfect yeah, man yeah. come on so thank god jazz nominated me for lawman and lawman won the vote but jazz was the very first Marine first lieutenant to jump out of an AVAB, McDonald's Douglas AVAB, flap okay. impingement on a GCA wave off, uh, Cherry Point. Barely got a swing in the shoot and got out of the jet. I mean, barely lived. Yeah. And they yeah. wanted his ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. Headquarters Marine Corps, the wing, everybody. Man, he had to fight for probably about a year to get reinstated. And then, of course, I don't blame him. As soon as he was free to leave the Marine Corps, he left and went to American Airlines or a major, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then you remember Julio? Hey, do you guys remember Julio Yaguez? Julio was with us, yeah. So, oh, so he was a Spanish exchange pilot in VMA two twenty three, and and he jumped out. Of, well, he he literally jumped out of an airplane that that burst into flames as he was taken off. I I was walking into the hangar. I just finished flying, and I remember hearing, remember how you'd run it up, check the nozzle pressure, and yeah, then yeah. and then hit military Dark power. Pressure, yeah, yeah. I heard all that going in the background. I was walking in, and then it sounded like somebody had thrown a match on a barbecue grill after they dumped a whole bottle of a lighter yeah. fluid. It, it, yeah. I heard this whoosh. I turn around and all I see is the nose of a Harrier going down the runway with this giant ball of flame behind it. He got it to a stop. The canopy came open and he took one step and landed in the grass. Wow. <laughs> Holy but, cow. Yeah. But that was a, an intact airplane and they, they, uh, that was the beginning of the, it, okay. It was turbine, turbine failure. Yeah, and they had an airplane intact, and they had turbine blades to look at, and that's how they found out it was a it was a bat. You know, they ground the whole fleet for oh, we had time inspection. I can't remember how we had all the red stripes we had. You know, remember the red stripe? Yes. A lot of guys even had the yeah. beer occasionally hanging, yeah. waiting to break it out when there's a red stripe. When they ground the entire <laughs> yep. Harrier, Wait, I used, the fleet. It, it sucked. But I used to remember praying. You know, Harrier would go down either you know uh, Cherry Point, Yuma, and that somewhere, or you know Westpac or somewhere, and, and you would hope and pray. Hey, it sounds bad. I'm not trying to disparage the unlucky Harrier guy that was flying that jet, but I used to hope and pray it was a pilot error. Please let it be pilot error. Right. Because if it was pilot error, yeah. the rest of us going to continue flying. Yeah. If it was questionable, catastrophic material failure, then you're looking to, uh, to ground the fleet. Nobody's flying. 
Right. So, and you know, it, it sounds, you know, a bunch of East German judges, like, hope, it's a, hope that guy fucked it up and put the jet in the dirt, you know. It was his fault, right. you know. Because yeah. then we can learn from it and, you know, as yeah, well. Move on, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, we had, uh, yeah, so 331 had a, a boatload of mishaps. Uh, and, you know, and sometimes just a matter who who signed for that jet that day, that jet was going down. And no matter how good you were, of a Harrier pilot, how well you knew your boldface, you know, memory items, something breaks that's significant. That jet's going down with or without you. You're going to pull the handle yeah. or not. You're going to get out. You know, yeah. Oscar, Nightmare, you know, countless other guys. Uh, you know, thankfully, most of them, you know, all the guys in theater one uh, and for peacetime ejections all got out and had a story to tell afterwards, you know. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your service. And we're going to uh, we're going to close it out here and we're going to come back again next week with Lawman. I want to first take the opportunity to thank you for spending your time with us. We know there are millions of shows out there that you have to choose from, and the fact that you've chosen ours is a great honor and very humbling to us. So thank you. One other thing you could do for us is to please continue to do what you have been doing and helping our show grow by going to Apple Podcasts app and subscribing there if you happen to have an iOS device or a Mac device. Uh, If you're on Windows, then you can find us on all other manner of podcasting applications we're on spotify we're on pandora we're on iheart we are on stitcher and anywhere that you can find a podcast we're there so go search for so there i was podcast and you'll find fig and repeat if you'd like to give us feedback we would certainly appreciate it or if you have any questions you can reach us by email First is fig at so there I was dot us or repeat at so there I was dot us repeat spelled r-e-p-e-t-e you can follow us on Facebook at so there I was us slash Facebook or on Twitter at so there I was us slash Twitter. Also, I want to take just a moment to thank our sponsor, robinsbirdbraindesigns.com. She will work with you to create a custom gift that is very elegant and shows that you've put a lot of thought and effort into getting the perfect gift for someone who has everything and you don't know what to get them. She has custom laser etched slate coasters. Mine have some aircraft instruments and my airplane's tail number on it. Fig has the squadron logo, VMA-223 squadron logo and his call sign on it and the call sign of all the members of his family. So uh, work with Robin at robinsbirdbraindesigns.com and she will help you get a military unit logo, uh, airplane instruments, any other organization with which you're associated and customize that for you. They are absolutely gorgeous. You can go to the sponsors page on so there I was.us and see an example of what that coaster looks like. The link to Robin's site is there, robinsbirdbraindesigns.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, stay safe and check six. Crosswind and you never have to flare You got four fucking wires Well how could you miss I can't think of anything that's easier than this But once you're on the deck My friend, you're never the same again Cause you're stuck on a boat In the middle of nowhere With five thousand other men I don't think so Living on a boat 
Someone 